This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. It's the lesson entitled, God is Loving. I want to jump in here and we want to move right along because our time is limited with our business session earlier. Let me just remind you as you're getting prepared, and I hope you'll take some notes tonight, this is your leader's guide. So off to the left and right margins, there's open space there for you to take notes. This guide is what we hope you'll put your name in. And then that find five list that Evangelist Musgrave talked about in the video, you can go to a coworker, a family member, friend, and say, would you have a Bible study with me? You're not sure that they know Christ as Savior. Well, you have a Bible study with me. I've got some material. Uh, we can work through this together. By the way, all of these resources, uh, when it comes to having this Bible study with someone who may not know Christ, this is all free. We're providing this. If you'd like to make a donation, that's between you and the Lord. But we're going to have these resources available. In fact, they're already there at the Welcome Center, so you can grab uh, what you need and uh, then continue these Bible studies trying to lead people to the Lord and then after they're saved, discipling them. All right, so have your copy where you've made your notes, and, uh, and that will continue to help you moving forward. So as we begin, notice the questions to the right in this lesson again. Uh, the people that you are helping should have filled in this lesson. So these questions will help you know what they think and understand from the lesson three that they've completed. Now the first two lessons have taught us how awesome and true our God is. But this is bad news for sinners If all we knew is that God is holy and just, we're all in big trouble. But there's more to it, right? So we've looked at the fact that God is holy. He cannot tolerate sin. God is just. He cannot overlook sin. And can we be honest about this? Our sinful nature is offensive to his nature. That's why the soul that sins must die. It's offensive to his nature. If you're not certain about that, when Jesus became our sin on the cross, what did the Father do? He was offended and he looked away. And Mike reminds Mike that when he looked away, it's because God saw my sin on Jesus. So this means that his nature must separate him from our nature. And if this was the end of the story, we're all doomed. And that's right there in your lesson. But in this time together tonight, as we look at lesson three, we're going to help the inquirer understand from God's word that there is more. <laughs> I'm so thankful. The Bible teaches that God is love. In fact, 1 John 4, 8 what does it say? He that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. While God cannot deny his nature, overlook sin, he has provided a way for us to have a relationship with him because of his 
infinite love. God satisfied his holiness, his justice through the provision of a deliverer, and that deliverer is his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now this lesson begins by helping us understand. We're not reading every question, talking about every answer. Okay, so just follow through with me. You can go through. Perhaps you've already read through this in preparation for tonight. But the lesson begins by establishing our need for love. Our need for love. We have all experienced the need for love. Questions 1 and 2 remind your Bible study partner that possessions and even a banquet meal cannot satisfy if a person does not have genuine love. How do we know it? The scripture teaches us this. Ecclesiastes 5.10, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. In other words, it's empty. Now who said that? Help me. The human author of this passage in scripture is Solomon. He knew that there is not satisfaction in having possessions. Now here's what else he also knew, because God used him to give us Proverbs 15, 17. Better is a dinner of herbs. Okay, what's that represent? Just a meager, sparse meal. But better is a dinner of herbs where love is, ah, than a stalled ox. Well, a stalled ox, what's that mean? Well, that's just... That's an old way of saying the stalled ox is, is soon to become our dinner. And with, when, the, when you prepare an ox, there's a lot of good meat there. Okay? I would love to elaborate. Uh, but, again, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therein. This may be hard for your friend to discuss because we live in a world where there is not a lot of love. There's a whole lot of take, but there isn't genuine selfless love like there needs to be. So be prepared to share an experience from your own life before you ask him or her to share an experience from their life. What, what this is intended to do is have them consider how important love is. And when love is missing, or love is taken away, how that affects us. And we're going somewhere with this. So there was an illustration I thought of. First time I was in the Holy Land was the first time I was away from my new bride, Renee. My only bride. Okay. She may be listening tonight, so I... Uh... Okay, so... I'm in the Holy Land. I'm walking where Jesus walked uh, back in the, when I went there. Uh, it was safe. You could still go to Egypt. And so we spent three days in Cairo. I'm looking at pyramids, and I can't wait till this trip is over. Why? I got to enjoy the trip. I had never been on a trip like that before. But I was missing her love and companionship. And... I just, just, when's this going to be done? I, I need to get home. Okay. I couldn't wait to get home 
whether I saw another sight or not, yet I had someone who really loved me. Now think about this. People can have pleasures and possessions, but they can be empty without someone who genuinely loves them. Love gives, lust takes. You say, well, we love each other. All right. Are you doing what is best for each other? Are you giving to help meet the needs that God says they have? Because we live in a world where people will use up other people, call them love, and then put them on the scrap heap and move on to somebody else when they can't get any more. So look at the top of page 28 and notice the top paragraph there. This lesson is intended to help your friend, quote, learn that God intends to meet that need, the need for love, in their life through a loving relationship with him. Now, of all the motivations in the world, the greatest motivation is love. Now, now we, we know that, right? You have, we're, we're, we've got a number of military families here. Genuine love is demonstrated when people leave behind family, their freedoms, to go someplace and defend family and freedom. That's real love. Or running into a burning house to save a child that's inside. And Brother Musgrave says he had a dear friend who did that and was burned over most, the mother was burned over most of her body trying to rescue her child in that house. Just happens that you all know uh, that's John Vaughn's wife, Brenda. She's with the Lord today. Uh, we supported Brother John. But that true story really happened. Okay? What love. So question three shows that this is true from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The greatest motivation, the greatest thing you can have is genuine love. Experience that from someone else. So what does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say? And now, and now abide faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is? It's charity. It's love. Okay? The greatest. And by the way, this is God's assessment because when you go to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, what's it say? You can have all, you can give your body to be burned. You can uh, speak with a voice of, of men and angels. You can do all these things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. If you don't have someone else's love, you really don't have much. So we want to establish that. Why? Well, our need for love is rooted in the fact that our creator is love. Have you ever thought about that? Why is that such a, a need in our lives? Because we're made in God's image and God is love. So God, our creator, is love. The lesson goes on to show that the most noble human characteristic is love because it reflects the character of our creator. God is love. And he created us with the capacity and the need to love, unlike anything else in creation. More proof we're made in God's image. So question four highlights Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness 
have I drawn thee? The God who is love, and you're going to be able to share, uh, share this with those that you're having Bible study with, the God who is love wants to have a loving relationship with you. Now at the top of page 29, the lesson in the lesson, uh, they have read and prepared ahead of time. Uh, and it says this, even now God is drawing you to himself in love. Won't you open your heart to him? God created all of us with an appetite for his love that cannot be satisfied with anything but an intimate love relationship with him. So imagine that the person you're burdened about coming to Christ, they're sitting at home, they're filling out lesson three, and they've just read that. In the quiet, all by themselves. You think the Holy Spirit's going to use that to tap them on the heart and say, I want to save you. That's why this, this is so good. And again, maybe there's somebody listening to this tonight, and God's already tapping on your heart saying, I love you. I want to have a personal relationship with you. Mm. So questions 5 to 12 continue to focus on God's love for us and the fact that he took the initiative to love us. We love him because he first loved us. He loves everyone. He wants to save everyone. 2 Peter 3.9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's the friend of sinners. He wants to make sinners his friends. Can you think of any examples in the New Testament as Jesus was in his earthly ministry where he worked to make sinners his friends? They're going to come to your mind. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus. I get encouraged by Zacchaeus because there's going to be somebody in heaven I can look right in the eye, okay? They're, they're, they're not all, they don't all have the Randy Boone gene, okay? So, so, but Jesus is a friend of sinners. Your Bible study partner will be reminded from Isaiah 63, 9, that the Lord loved the sinning nation of Israel, and he had pity on them. You can see those verses. After all Israel did... He had pity on them. He loved them. But the ultimate demonstration of his love for sinful, fallen mankind, look at question 15. It's the bottom of page 31. What does your Bible say God's love motivated him to do? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. Now, Romans 5, 8 is right underneath that. But God commended. He stretched forth his love. He stretched forth in our direction, demonstrating his love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the application right underneath, see the star to the, or the, star to the left that applies this and drives home the point. And those, are, those stars are applications that you want to make sure you share with the person you're having a Bible study with. Notice what Jeff says there. Even though I have offended God's holiness and earned his judgment, he chose to love me and give me his only son to die in my place. That's love. What comes before 
Romans 5 and verse 8. For a just man, some might even dare to die. Okay? Uh, when it comes to giving our lives for somebody else, they can be really good, but that gives our human nature pause, but not the divine nature. God showed his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Now questions 16 to 20 emphasize a vital point in the lesson about Jesus being God. Though he became man for us. Now why would it be necessary in material like this to emphasize the deity of Christ? Why would that be important? I wish we had time to discuss this, but you already know the answer. For one thing, false religions and cults teach that Jesus wasn't God. There's, there's a cult out there called the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know who they are? They're Jehovah's false witnesses. Because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Yeah. That's what the New World Translation says. No, the word was God. Okay. Now here's the other part. In order to be saved, a person must believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Note at the top of page 33. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness. In the Greek language, that means the very likeness of man. Not an imitation. He became man. In your margin, I want you to also write down Romans 10.9. Would you do that? Just put it out there. And that way you can share this with somebody you're having Bible study with. What does Romans 10, 13 say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you need to back up. What are they calling on the name of the Lord about? What are they confessing to the Lord in order to be saved? Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what are the next two words? Lord Jesus. Do you know, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what are you really confessing? He's God. He's God. And you're believing that he became man because if you believe that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. All right. So that will be a, a good reference to share at that time. At this point in the lesson, you've used the scriptures to help your Bible study partner understand man's need for love that is based on the truth that God, our creator, is love. We love him. Because he first loved our sinful selves. Now all of this leads to God's exchange. Look at page 33. And we're going to actually take a look at this diagram together in just a moment. Page 33. Notice it says God's exchange. The choir references tonight. Praise the Lord. The special music references tonight. Praise the Lord. Why? Because the exchange is the gospel. I was on death row. He that believeth not is condemned already. Before I believed, I was on death row. 
Jesus went to a cross and he took the death penalty that I deserved. What a blessing to know that. All right, so God's exchange. God left the splendor and perfection of heaven, took on the body of a man and lived on earth so that he could die as the perfect substitute for our sin penalty. And then if you go down to the bottom of that paragraph, Jesus became a man so that he could give his life in exchange for every person who has sinned. Under God's exchange, now you'll see these subheadings. First of all, he is our substitute. You see that? Again, we're not going to read the questions. We can't go into detail, but think about what Peter taught related to Jesus being our substitute. 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes he took my punishment, by whose stripes ye are healed. And then, again, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, there's the exchange, that he might bring us to God. So he's our substitute. Underneath that, you'll notice... He is our righteousness. Notice the exchange diagram that is here. And if you take the training next month, Brother Musgrave will go into a lot of detail about this. But just look at it. I'm going to read above it. When we take his offer to be our substitute, we take his righteous record and meet his holy standard. Only then can God give us a home with him in heaven forever and still be just. So write your name in the blank below. So on the left-hand side, the person you're having a Bible study with, they can write their name there. You can write your name there now. Now, what is your record? What's true of you? I could put my name in here. It's true of me. Lying, stealing, coveting, alienated from God. That's my record. Is that your record? Reality check. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay. Here's Jesus' record. Holy, just, accepted by God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Free to live with God. Did he have to leave heaven? He chose to. Now think about this. My record, Jesus' record. Now the cross, now cross out your name and write Jesus over that. Cross out Jesus' name on the other side of the chart and write your name. Here's the point. When you and I admit to God, that's our record. I'm a sinner. God, I deserve judgment. But I believe Jesus came to be my substitute. Lord, What was needed for my salvation, he accomplished at the cross. And right now, I believe on you. I'm depending on you. Lord, please be my Savior. At that moment, the exchange happens. And so now my record is holy, just, accepted by God, and free to live with God forever. That's the exchange. This is the reality of the exchange that he offers us. On the cross, Jesus suffered as a lying, coveting thief. By the way, 
He suffered with sinners. That's what was on either side of him. And then God took our sin and made him to be sin for us, though he knew none of his own sin, that we might be made his righteousness. All right, so he offers you the freedom to have a full relationship with God as your father, accepted by him because of Jesus' holy, just nature. We go back, I just want to pause for a moment. Go back and think about the theme of love. Oh, what love that he should die for me. He could have come off that cross. Why didn't he? He loves us. He loves us. Whose nature was on that cross? The divine nature. Remember we said earlier, the divine nature is repulsed by sin. Do you know the greatest agony on the cross was not the stripes that they put on his back, the nails that they put through his hands, though that had to be unbelievable agony. When your God and your nature is holy and you become the sins of the whole world, that's the worst part of the cross. But he suffered there for you and me so that exchange could happen. And he offers that free salvation to everyone. All right, so our substitute, our righteousness. And finally, page 35, our full payment. At this point, your Bible study partner may be thinking, I see this, but surely I must do something. That's religion talking. I've got to do something. And then you'll show them from 1 John 1, 7 that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Past, present, future, Jesus acknowledged this on the cross. John 19, 30, then Jesus therefore had received the vinegar. He said, say those next three words with me, it is finished. And he bowed his head, gave up the ghost. That's his spirit. By the way, we're using Bible terms, and, and I appreciate the fact that Jeff has given us updated terms that may be a little easier to understand. You need to understand as you're sharing the gospel with people, they don't know your Bible language. They don't. And so you're going to need to take time to explain. Okay? The lesson will help you understand that finished, telestai, to telestai means paid in full. That's what the word means. It's finished. If our sin debt was paid in full, is there anything left for us to pay? The answer is no. By the way, you may be talking to somebody in their past, somebody taught them that you can sin and lose your salvation. I, I'm tempted to have you raise your hand if you were ever in a church that taught, don't raise your hand. But there are churches that teach that. Here's the problem with that teaching. If you can do a sin and lose your salvation, it was not finished. It was not paid in full. The Lord missed one. He didn't miss any. All right, so it's finished. Now let's conclude. I love the conclusion here. It focuses on the resurrection. The lesson closes with you asking your companion this question. Look at the left column before looking at question 26. What miracle 
three days after Christ's death, proved his sacrifice, and here's the point, you might want to circle it, his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. When the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he concurred, it's done. I accept the sacrifice. My son has died and paid the penalty for sin. The work is accomplished, and he raised him from the tomb. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins. And again, I'm skipping some of it for time. He was buried, and he rose again the third day according to what? According to the scriptures. Now, besides the factual claims that the Bible makes about Jesus' resurrection, look at the instructions in 27. Okay, would you go over there with me? We're going to do a little exercise, and then we're done tonight. Circle the words, he was seen in the passage below. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 15, 5 to 8. It's listed there for you. And hopefully, the person you're doing the Bible study with has gone through and circled this. But I want you to do it tonight. The Bible record is accurate, but there were a number of eyewitnesses. So every time you see in this passage, 1 Corinthians 15, 5 to 8, he was seen. Would you circle it? That's what we want to ask those doing the Bible study with. Okay, so are you ready? Here we go. And that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the 12. After that, he was seen of about, or above, I'm sorry, over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present. Why is that? If you're not sure, go ask them. They'll tell you. But some have fallen asleep. They've died. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And here's Paul speaking. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. Over 500 witnesses. So you close out the lesson by asking, do you believe that Christ died and rose again? It's so exciting to be able to, and I've done this. I've worked through this with somebody who probably isn't saved, has been doing this work at home, doing these, thinking about these questions. And then you ask them that. Do you believe that Christ died and rose again? You'll see a line where they can write their answer. You'll be able to see their answer probably too, and they're going to tell you. Yes, they might write not sure or no. Now, I will tell you it is very likely at this point God has used his word in their hearts, and they're going to have a yes. If they say yes, encourage them to receive Christ. Do you believe Jesus died for you? became your sin so that the exchange could happen and then he rose again. Do you believe that? Would you pray that to God right now and ask him to come into your life and save you? Now, if they say no, not sure, okay, see if you can discuss it further, but then let the Lord lead, encourage them uh, for their good participation, the work they've done and filling in the questions 
and then discuss meeting with them uh, next week to go over the final lesson. And then I would just close tonight by saying, don't miss the summary part. Okay, we'll, we'll conclude now tonight, but in each lesson, take time to work through the summary section, the additional homework, the scripture memory, the application, and just the practical assignments. Encourage them not to try to do it all in one sitting, but to take some of it every day and just think about answer questions based on the scripture passages that are there. Now, for a child of God, what we've considered tonight ought to encourage our hearts. Are you convinced God is love? Yes. Imagine speaking to somebody who is longing for love. And you just had the opportunity to share with them that the one who made them loves them. And he proved it because he gave his only one-of-a-kind son to die on a cross so that he could win them to himself, cleanse them, and they could be one of his children forever. We live in a scary world where people are fearful. And the message of God's love, oh, it'll penetrate hearts. And so I hope that you'll purpose to come alongside uh, folks and to help them see from God's word that God is love and he proved it by giving us his beloved son. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.